Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But anyways, what I want to talk to you with the Lord's laid on my heart tonight is three questions that Jesus answered. Three questions that Jesus answered. And if you're taking notes, I'll go ahead and give you those three questions right now if you want to start writing them down to get prepared, but I'll get to those after uh, my introduction. But the three questions that Jesus answered was, what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And what will Jesus do? If you want to write those down to get prepared. I'm going to go ahead and start with the scripture, Psalms 107 and verse 2. And it says this, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe meaning enemy, those that he delivered from the hand of the enemy. And then Psalms 91 and 14 says this, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. Praise God. And so I don't know if any of y'all know this, but speaking of Riverside, um, Riverside is our redemption story. And it's a rescue story from a life of what God had us to be to who he has brought us to be today. I don't know, my, my husband's the son of a nightclub owner. And only God can take a son of a nightclub owner and make him into a preacher, right? Amen? God is so good. But they owned a business and it was actually called Riverside. And Riverside, at the time when his dad built it from the ground up in the late 1970s, at that time, it was the largest dance hall in all of South Texas. And they had dances. They had all kinds of things. In fact, we got people here in church that actually met at Riverside Convention Center. It was Riverside Convention Center at that time when his dad built it. And so they were involved in the entertainment industry and all the things that go along with that kind of business. You know what it is, the alcohol, the sometimes drug scene, all the things that are involved in the entertainment industry. But one day, his brother had such a powerful encounter with God that we knew it had to be God. And everything about him transformed and changed overnight. He had this radical experience with the power of God and the presence of God, and he shared it with all of us. And through that, his brother, who's no longer with us now, he, had, he, had, he was a soul winner, and God used him in so many ways. He just felt like he did so many things for the kingdom of darkness that he just went all out for the kingdom of light. So when he got saved, he was radical. And so, and so much so that he won so many people to the Lord. He wasn't a pastor. He really wasn't even a preacher. But he was just a soul winner. He loved God, and he loved people. And so through his ministry on earth while he was here, he, that we know of, he won 13, that are 13 people that are now pastors to the Lord. And so our story is a story of redemption. And the name Riverside, it's not about us. You know, God is the one that, that chose that name for us when we were, God just started dealing with us about the church name and how to, you know, what we need to change it to. And we all felt a witness in it. And it was because the redemption story that we have is so powerful that once we were in darkness and now we're in his marvelous light, once we were doing things and causing divorces and doing things, and now God has us in this place where we're preaching the gospel and we're bringing marriages back together instead of tearing them apart. And only God can do that. It's powerful. 
gospel, our stories, and every one of us have one. Every one of us have a redemption story about the power of God and what he saved us from and what he set us free from. Amen. How many of you agree? You've got a rescue story. God does that. So our mantra here uh, that we have, our motto here is where people grow because we don't want people to walk into here and stay the same. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it transforms you. It changes you. You're not the same person that you used to be. How many of you are witness to that? He changes you from the inside out. He does things that only he can do. And so, if you will, if we have a mantra scripture here, it would be Psalms 1 and 1 through 3. And this is what we live by. And it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. If you look it up, it also means shall grow. So when you come here, our prayer is that when you come here, you will grow in God. You will grow in your relationship with him. You'll grow as a person and God will do great things through you and he'll show you your purpose. He'll show you his de the destiny that he has for your life, the plan that he has for your life. That is our prayer for you. That's just how our God is. If you look in the scripture, oftentimes the word river is referenced to as the spirit of God. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Revelations 22 speaks of the river of life flowing from the lamb on the throne, Jesus Christ, the source of the river of life. That's who he is. And so we have this redemption story, every single one of us. We have this rescue story. And the word redemption is the action of being saved from sin, error, or evil. It's also the action of gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing a debt. And aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ paid our debt? He paid our debt when he hung on that cross. For you and I, he took our place on the cross so that we could be redeemed, redeemed by his blood. And so I'm thankful for that. God's not going to leave us the same way that he found us. He's in the transformation business. That's what he does. He says in Ezekiel 36 and 26 that I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. His spirit will cause us to want to live righteous. His spirit will cause us to want to follow after him and his word. And so the three questions that Jesus answers for us, the first one that I told you all to write down was this, what did Jesus do? Jesus, what he did was he became the atonement for us so we can have redemption. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't understand that there's a difference between the atonement of Jesus and the redemption of Jesus. There's a difference between those two. The atonement is the reconciliation of God and humankind through Jesus Christ. Because of the fall of, uh, of Adam and Eve, that we were uh, separated from God. And so he sent the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us 
to reconcile the world back to him. Without him, we would not have that reconciliation. So it was only through Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 9 says this, much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. And so redemption is the act of redeeming, while atonement is a repair done for the sake of a damaged relationship. So Jesus Christ became our atonement. Christ died for all, but only those that believe are saved. So the atonement of sin offered on Calvary was universal. That means it was for everybody. But redemption, this is the difference, is limited to those that accept the condition as specified in the scriptures. That's the difference between atonement and redemption. In other words, as I said, Christ died for all, but only those that, are believe, that, are, that believe are saved. There could be no redemption without the atonement. But if redemption is not there, if redemption, if redemption is not ceased, then atonement still remains because he died for all. But God is a gentleman. He will never force himself on anyone. So he gives us a will. He gives us a choice to make. So redemption is our choice. Atonement was already taken care of at the cross. He did it for all a humankind, all races, all nationalities. But redemption is our choice. We have that choice to make. So atonement came without the world's request, but redemption never comes without the earnest, sincere, genuine seeking of the individual. We have to want to seek after God. That is where redemption comes in. Yes, he died for all mankind. But you've got to be, to be saved and to be redeemed. You've got to accept him. He says, confess with your mouth, believe on in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. That's a choice that we have to make that can't be forced on humankind. Caleb spoke about it the other morning, how God is not going to force He's not going to force even the, uh, you know, he's not going to force us to love him because he wants it to be a choice from our hearts. But he loves us first, no matter what. But we have a choice in his goodness. He gave us a will. Aren't you glad that, like he said, we're not robots and we're just not conformed to do a certain thing? God gave us a free will to make that decision for ourselves. And so we see the atonement was this event that took place when Jesus paid the price once and for all on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Redemption is constantly, though, that was atonement, but redemption is constantly taking place in all parts of the world at all times, through all seasons, through all these thousands of years. Redemption is continuously, redemption is happening right now as we speak. Someone is giving their life to the Lord right now as we speak. Somewhere maybe in America, praise God, all over the world, someone is receiving redemption right now for their lives. They're going to have a rescue story. God is good. And God wants to use that story. He wants to use that story. So Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. He purchased us with his blood. And when I mean, mean, say that, I mean all humanity, every race, every nation, every nationality, every tongue, every language, all humanity. Jesus died for our sins and he paid the price in full so we can receive salvation. It's only because of him. And I know we're Christians in here. We already know this. We believe this, don't we? But so I wanted to share with you a little bit more about that. But 
today I was at work and there was a little girl and she was wearing this t-shirt and she had it, it was all, I couldn't not help but see it. It was just a big sequenced unicorn in the middle of her shirt. And on the top of it, it said, made to be a unicorn. And then on the bottom, it said, unique. And I thought, you know what? That's exactly right. We are all unique by design. We are all, the word of God says, fearfully and wonderfully made, just like we are because God created us to be who we are. He wanted us to be the way each and every one of us are. So we are unique by design. And that was God's purpose. That was God's plan for all of our lives. And so he made us this way. Because God is no, God, with God there is no prejudice. Racism and prejudice is an attribute of sin. And we've been hearing this a lot lately because of things that are going on in the world. We know that, you know, that racism, that prejudice, and yeah, I'm going to go ahead and mention it. <laughs> you know, we're here to encourage people, but we got we to gotta face with what, what's going on in the world. But that's not of God. That they, racism, prejudice is not of God. The kingdom of God is not full of that. He created every one of us, and he loves us all just how we are. That's his plan. That's his desire for us to feel that same way. And so I love what Caleb said the other day. He said that the cross is what leveled the playing field for all of us. The cross leveled the playing field for all of us. And so we... Um, Jesus, there's a scripture in the New Testament where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he's trying to uh, in the word, show them in the word that he was from the beginning of time. And he's, in Luke 24 and 27, it says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures, he says, concerning himself. And so we see him speaking to them. It's a, and, in this, and in that moment, Jesus revealed to them that the purpose of the Bible uh, wasn't just a collection of stories. And it wasn't just the history of a certain group of people or a single nation. It was the story of redemption. That's why he opened up and enlightened them that he was from the beginning of time. And that from the Old Testament all the way till his time came, it was a redemption story. God's plan was always to rescue his people from sin and death through the life, death, and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And most Christians don't understand that. We know the stories. We know the Old Testament stories. We know about David and Goliath. We know about Daniel and the lion's den. We know about Jonah and the well. We know these stories. We know about Noah's ark. But we don't always grasp the overarching story in those stories. They're redemption stories leading up. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the New Testament. And so those stories are there because of the redemption story of Jesus Christ. They were leading up to Jesus coming. See, God is perfect. God had it all planned out from the beginning of time. He knew what was going to happen from the beginning of time. And so God put us all in this place to receive salvation for, for, from him, no longer just Jews, but Gentiles. When Jesus Christ came and died, we became one new man. So no longer was it just the Jews, but Gentiles. That means all other people outside of the Jewish heritage the jewish race became one with god we were all reconciled with god when jesus paid the price on the cross for us and so now we see every nationality every race every color we all belong to him when we come to him at the cross 
And what I love about the church is that the church is worldwide. You can go to the church in India. You can go to the church in Africa. You can go to the church in South America. You can go to the church in Asia, China. You can go to the church in Russia, and we're all the same. We're the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters, and that's what's powerful about the unity of the church. The unity of the church is so powerful. Where the unity is, where there is unity, God will command the blessing. And that's also, I love that about our church here. You can look around. I mean, yeah, we're a multiracial couple on top of it already. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But, you know, you can look around and you can see so many not only just races, but nationalities. We have Jamaicans. We've had people here that have gone here that have moved off that, that were from Africa. We've had Puerto Ricans. We have Jamaicans. I just love it. I love how the church comes together as one. And God created us to be that way. He says that when we are born again, we become a new creation. We come a, become a new person. And so thank God for the cross. So then the second question that we're going to answer is, what would Jesus do? And we know this is a cliche. It's been said throughout the years, but it was actually a term that was coined in the late 1800s by a man that wrote a book. His last name was Sheldon. I can't remember his first name. But he wrote a book, and it was called In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? And it became really, really popular in the late 1800s. And so people started to coin the phrase, what would Jesus do back then? And we saw a recurrence of it again in the 80s and the 90s, really strong. You know, all the bracelets everyone was wearing, what would Jesus do? And then the necklaces. And you saw it everywhere at, at, at the time, which is an awesome reminder. Because if you're making a decision on something and you happen to see that thing, wow, talk about conviction, right? When you're about to do something maybe you weren't supposed to do and you see that bracelet on you. So actually it was a pretty cool statement. But Jesus' purpose was to come to the earth to bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. And just as Jesus saw evil and hatred, he judged it righteously, he condemned it. He condemned hatred and evil. And he judged it righteously. He condemned it, but he did not condone hatred and evil. But Jesus was a light in the darkness, and he's calling us just the same way to be a light. Just as was preached a couple weeks ago, that we are called salt and light to the earth. So that's what would Jesus do? Jesus brought light to a dark world. And if I were to answer that, and I only had one answer that I could give first, what would Jesus do? It was preached so relevantly on Sunday. It would be that Jesus would love first. He would love first. But I want to add to that because we already got that word on Sunday strong, and it was so good. But I want to add to that because darkness, Martin Luther King said, cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So what I want to add to that, and it's also more important than ever right now in the time that we're living in, is that we've got to understand the word of God. We've got to understand what we really truly believe because people want to know that. There's a saying that says, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And so we're seeing that take place with a lot of our younger people, not everyone, but they've got to understand, yes, experience is important. 
and your testimony is powerful. In fact, that's what got me saved, is hearing the testimony of his brother and seeing his life. That's what saved me. But we live in a different time and era and age. That was over 25 years ago. We live in an intellectual uh, uh, in, uh, information age right now where people want to know. People want to know what you believe, and they want to know why you believe it. So we've got to understand the redemption story. We've got to understand why we believe what we believe. And the Bible calls the word, the word, of, the sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6 talks about it. When Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, and he says it's to help us so we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. In other words, the devil's uh, uh, plans against our lives. It's important to put on the whole armor of God. And so he speaks about the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's important to understand that. And he, he speaks about everything else. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shield of faith. Our feet shod with the gospel of peace. The sword of the spirit. What am I missing? The belt of truth. I think I got it all. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I think six, five, six. Anyways, but he talks about that. And it's important for us to know the word that way. We've got to use it as a weapon. He uses it as a weapon because people want to know. That armor protects us. Satan roars around, it says, like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take us out. But you know what Jesus did when Jesus faced the wilderness and he faced Satan? What did he use? He used the word. He used the word of God. He used truth to fight deception. And so we need to learn to do the same thing. He used truth to fight deception. That's what Jesus did. What would Jesus do? That's what he did. And in the same way, we've got to learn to do that. While Jesus was praying uh, for his disciples in John 17 and 17, he's speaking to the Father. He's praying to the Father. He says, sanctify them with, thy, with them by thy truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So we've got to understand what we believe. The word of God says to study, to show ourselves approved. And it also says that anything that we don't understand, that we can just ask the Holy Spirit and that he will reveal those things to us. So if you lack understanding, if you're hungry for knowledge, if you want to really understand the word of God, it, he says that we can just ask the Holy Spirit and he will begin to reveal those truths to you. He'll enlighten you. He will illuminate the word of God. He did it for me. That's exactly what happened with me. Crazy me, I started in the book of Revelation. That is not the book to start on. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I did. I started in the book of Revelation. If you want to start in any book, start in the book of John. That's a good book to start in. Start in the book of John, not Revelation. You don't want to come to God in fear. You want to come out of, out of a, a godly fear, the reverence and the true love of God. And so we've got to understand what we believe. The word of God is our instruction manual for life. It's our compass that will lead us in the right direction in our lives. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says this, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. That means the Bible corrects me. Yeah, sometimes God gives us spankings big time through it. For instruction in, in righteousness. So it's going to lead us in the right path, in the way of God, in the truth. 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it says that it's going to equip us. You know, when you're equipped for something, it's almost like you're ready for battle, right? And so the word of God, sword of the spirit, that is our weapon. He will equip us through the word of God. That's the importance of knowing it. So we must teach the truth. The word of God says you may know the truth and it will, what, set you free. You will be free. And so I remember years ago, it was over 25 years ago, and this is the first time I've ever witnessed anything like this. I believed in Jesus, but I didn't know him. Does that make sense? I really believed in my heart that he was the Lord, and I gave my heart to him when I was little, but I fell away. And I will never forget this. When I went off to college at university in San Marcos, and when I took the, I don't remember what semester, second or third semester of school, I took philosophy class. And you really don't know what you're going to face when you go off to school because at home you're in a safe environment, you're used to church, whatever. But when you go off to school, you're on your own. You know, you're independent, you witness a lot of different things, and you've got to be strong enough to make the right choices. And so in this philosophy class, we were talking about truth. And I'll never forget the professor pointed this one girl out, and he knew she was Christian. And this was like not even midway through the semester. And he almost began taunting her of what she believed and why she believed it was truth. And the girl spoke up, and the girl knew the word of God, and she knew what she believed. And I was sitting there mesmerized, amazed at her because I thought, I would love to do that, but I don't know the word of God. Yes, I believe. I'd love to tell them that, but I have nothing to back it up. And I, I was so amazed by this strong, she was probably only 19 years old. And she did it in such a loving way. She wasn't, he was wanting to debate with her and she, she wouldn't. It was just everything that came out of her was in such a loving way. And so I just never will forget that. I was amazed that, that the way that God used her in that way. But that's why it's important that we need to know the word of God. And that was over 25 years ago. But that's why it's important that we've got to teach our children. And for some reason, every time I get a chance to speak, which is not too often, God always, it's almost like I feel this mandate from God to tell parents, to tell moms, to, to tell dads that it's so important to disciple your children when they're little, when they're still in your hands. Disciple your children. Pray for your children. I feel that mandate every time I step up here, like I've got to tell people the importance of it. And it's because they face things now that we didn't face. I faced it 25 years ago, but can you imagine? It's multiplied, multiplied so much more since that time. And so it's important for us because in higher academia, secular universities, they will be challenged. Their faith will be challenged. So they've got to know what they believe, and they've got to be able to stand for it. And so Campus Renewal did this survey, and they divulged that roughly 70% of Christian college students go off to college, end up leaving their faith, 70% their first year on campus. That is a super high statistic. And, you know, we have some awesome young adults here. I'm so proud of our young adults that we have here. They're on fire for God. And that's why the young yes, we can give them a hand. We have amazing young people here. And that's why young adults ministry is so, so vitally important because 
so many leave at that age of a, where they can make that decision on their own, whether it's just they get busy with campus life or whatever it may be, but their faith is going to be challenged at that time. So they've got to know the word. They've got to be prepared to know how to stand strong. And so we've got, we've got to pray for our young people. We've got to disciple our young people. You know, it's, it, experience is important, but the knowledge that they've got to have to face the things they have to face in this world right now, people want to know that they know what they believe and why they believe it. Y'all agree with me? It's just a different time that we live, live in. And then the third one, trying to get through this, is this question, what will Jesus do? John 3.16, we all know this. I want to catch the last part of it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. There is an eternity. There is a forever after we, when we take our last breath, there is an eternity. And a lot of people don't want to talk about the other place of eternity. You know, there is a heaven. Yes, and that's what our goal is. There is a hell though too. There is a forever somewhere. And only those that believe in Jesus Christ, make him Lord and Savior of their lives are the ones that are going to get to go to heaven. And I want to take as many people as I can with me. I hate talking about it because it hurts me so bad to even think that there's another place to go to. And it just burns my spirit to want to rescue more people out, out of that life. And so John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What will Jesus do? He's coming back. Jesus is coming back one day. And there's a heaven prepared for those that love him. Matthew 24 and 36 says this, But of that day and hour, no, uh, hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but only the Father knows the day and the hour. So none of us know, but we can see the times. He said, you will know the times and seasons. You will know the times and the seasons before that he comes. And from what I'm seeing, we're just getting closer and this is not a doomsday into the world kind of message, but I'm just saying we're just getting that much more closer as time goes on. We're seeing things that take place that have never taken place before in our nation that we've been here. And really, you think about it, America's not that old. It's only a couple hundred years old. And so the things that are happening right now, we've been privileged and blessed to live in this nation and be able to come to church with no persecution we don't know what it means to live in persecution. We've been so blessed. And the moment that privilege is taken away from us, we'd realize how blessed we truly were. But there's other nations that are so, they've been persecuted for years. And the Christians there, that's all they know is to live under that kind of persecution. And so we're getting to a place in society. I listen to a lot of Christian talk radio, AFR. I listen to a lot of it. That's in my car all the time. And I learn so much from every single broadcast that they have in there. And so you learn and you hear these things that are going on. But if y'all don't know this, our spirit, our uh, religious freedom, Freedom is under attack right now. Our religious freedom is under attack, and we really need to pray. Our, the, church, the, the church of God needs to pray right now fervently because 
our freedoms can be easily taken away. It looks like it's leading towards that direction. And we know that's the plan of the enemy. That is the plan of Satan. That's not God's will for our lives. So as the church of God, we really need to be on our knees fervently praying for our nation and for our churches that they will not close the doors. There are people that do not want the churches to gather. There are churches that, I mean, there are people that don't and in, in high places too on top of it. And so guys, we're so blessed every time that we get to come in here and be together and assemble together. It is a blessing from God that we can do it with liberty and with freedom. We don't have to be hiding in a basement. We don't have to be hiding out from the police. There's other countries. They have to hide from the police in China. If they know that they're going to a church house, they will go find them and arrest them all. We're blessed. We're so blessed to be able to live for God with freedom here in America. And so no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, the important thing is that we are always ready to meet the Lord, that we live today like it's our last day. Live every day like it's your last day. I mean, I could get into the tribulation. I could get into uh, post-trib or pan-trib. And there's a lot of people really in tune and involved with the end time. But my motto or my saying is live each and every day as if the Lord is coming back tomorrow. Because we never know when he's going to come back. Amen? And so and, uh, it's important that we learn the word of God, that we stand for the word of God, that we stand for Jesus. And also this that even uh, when others reject him, that we learn to stand for him. Mark 8 and 38, Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in the adulterous and sinful generation, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, and forgiving, slanderous. There's a whole list of a whole lot of things right there that God talks about. But then at the very end of that, he says that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. That's what really throws me off. Because when I read this, you're thinking, oh my gosh, these are wicked, horrible people. But then you go down and it says, but they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And so we've got to be prepared. Jesus is going to return for his church, a church, he says, without spot and without blemish. He calls the church his bride. Are we doing okay in here? <laughs> Is this a little too rough on the edges? All right. It's really quiet. So uh, Corinthians 15 and 52 says this. I just got a few more scriptures. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This is the good news here. This is the good news. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. The whole world is a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And Revelation 7 and 9 says, After this I looked, and there, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Amen. So we must become serious about reaching souls. Our hearts, I said it Sunday, our hearts must break for the things that God's heart breaks for. 
We've got to reach people. We've got to help people have a rescue story. We've got to help people be redeemed. And so we're only getting closer, but we have the answer. The church has the answer for the world. I know that the church has the answer for the world. And at the end, when my time comes, I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the words that I want to hear. And I want to go ahead and close with this. And I read this on Instagram from a young man I didn't put his name on it, but from a young man that's a part of Destiny that we're a part of, and I thought it was so relevant and so good, and it said this. He said, I'm thankful that the church has the cure and the solution and that racial unity is ultimately God's dream, even when it's not man's. He's so beautiful, and so are his children. And so I want to close with that. And um, wow, it's quiet in here. I kind of knew this was going to happen, and that's okay. That's okay, because it's it's the word of God. You know, the truth sometimes hurts. You know, the truth, we don't always want to hear. In fact, when you, the truth, when you hear it, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't like to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But the truth hurts, but it's the truth. And God loves us. God loves every one of us. But I'm just stirred up in my spirit when I, when I read through all of these things. I'm more stirred up in my spirit about reaching people. That's what all, every scripture I read here, that's what it does to me. It starts to burn in my soul and makes me want to, hey, wherever I go, I'm at work. If God opens up the door, I want to talk about the Lord. If it's just a little seed that's planted in that moment, you never know what that little seed is going to grow into. So every chance I pray before work, at work, Lord, open a door. And God allowed me even today to just begin to say things about him, give him a te- share a testimony with some people. And you never know what God's going to do through your story. Share your story with people. But be prepared to have the word. Have the word in your heart so that when they ask questions, well, what exactly is it that you believe? You'll know the answer and you'll know what to say. Amen. Do y'all agree with that? God, it's good. He wants to use the church in this hour like never before. And I know he's using the church in this hour. I mean, we've got masks on in here. Yeah, we've got 50% capacity. We've got, hey, but it's not always going to be this way. There's going to be a day the church doors are going to come back home open. I believe it. And this place is going to be packed every service again. And God's going to be bringing more and more souls in. The closer we get, God is dealing with hearts. So don't start, stop praying for people. God wants to do it. Do you all mind standing with me so we can pray? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, Lord. I thank you for just stirring up our hearts, Lord, just to be more hungry and more in love with you, Father. I thank you that, God, that you're just going to help each and every one of us, God, in our walk with you day by day, Lord, that you're just going to enlighten us in your word, Father, that, Lord, you're going to put us in the paths of people that need to hear Uh, God, our testimony that need to hear God. People that are hungry, your word says those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're going to be filled, Father. So, Father, we just pray that you lead hungry-hearted people in our path. We pray that the Spirit of the Lord, God, would draw people to this church from the north, south, east, and west, Father. We pray that you have your way with us, Lord. Father, we are your vessels, Lord. Father, use us, Lord. Use us in any way that you desire, Lord. Let your purpose and plan 
mission and your destiny for our lives be done in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone say amen. Amen. Come on, lift your hands. It's relevant to understand the redemption, the atonement power of God and the redemptive work, how it works. He paid the price. Just renew that in your faith right now and thank him. Renew that right now. Just remember, the blood has been shed. The body's been broken. You have been bought with the precious price of God's only begotten son. Somebody just thank him right now. Just right where you're at, just thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for tonight. Thank you, dear God. We're going to give somebody a chance to give their hearts to the Lord. If you have never said yes, if you're watching online, watching on YouTube, watching on Facebook, we want you to have a chance. We call it repentance. We call it taking that first step. Now, we pray with you, but how it really works is, is that that prayer that we pray with you is to help you if you don't know what to pray. But you pray out of the sincerity of your heart. Tears may fall sometimes. Sometimes it's probably going to be longer than what we're praying. But it's just to help you get started. And God has so much more. God has so much more for you. So let's just pray together. If that's you, we're going to join you right now. Just pray with me and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. God, I need you. I believe that you gave your life for me. So Lord, I pray for a new beginning today. I accept the work that you did on Calvary. Today, right now, I make the decision to make you the Lord of my life. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I'm willing. I'm here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurch.com tx.com